Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 56, and we're going to cover Numbers chapter 28 and 29. This is a good time for us to stop and review where we have been so we can know where we're going. So what's going to happen here in chapters 28 and 29 is Moses is going to repeat a lot of the sacrificial system, and he's going to repeat a lot of the festivals. And so this will help you in your reading. What you're to do is to say, why does Moses have to keep repeating this? And that's going to train your mind to interpret this data properly. You're going to say he has to keep repeating this because he's not repeating it to the same audience. He's repeating it to a new audience. This is the second generation. And that'll do another thing. That'll make you say, wow, God had to kill off the first generation because they weren't holy. And so that helps you to tie these books together. Remember, Genesis, man falls. God has a plan to redeem mankind through the gospel. He preaches the gospel to the man, the woman, and Satan is there as well. They all hear the prophecy that one will come through the woman that will bruise the head of one coming through the serpent. And there'll be enmity and war throughout all human history until that is accomplished. And we are seeing that happen now. Satan jumped out ahead and started the war and it looked like he was winning, but he wouldn't. We saw God on his own pace, create a man, bring, call a man out of Babylon, Abram, changed his name to Abraham, gave him a covenant that the seed will flow through you. And now what has happened is that one man has literally birthed a great nation through two to three million people. And so if we've been on this journey together, we've seen that one man have a child, Isaac, who had twins, Jacob and Esau. And we saw that the older will serve the younger. And we could see these familiar interactions and these family dynamics where the blessed or dysfunctional, we saw them both. And they were easier to track because we only had one or two characters on the scene. Stuff is going to get more complex for us now because now we're dealing with a great nation. They go into Egypt at 70. They come out as two to three million. And God says, look, I delivered you. I'm your redeemer. Now I have to teach you how to dwell with me. You're my people. I'm going to give you just what people should have. I'm going to give you a language. I'm going to give you a purpose. And I'm going to give you my presence. So the law is the language, which is why this is so much work, because we're literally learning a second language. So think of this as if you're learning the law, you're learning Spanish or French or another language, because that's what's happening. You not only have to know the five basic sacrifices, you got to know how to piece them together for certain things and certain festivals and certain acts throughout their history. So you got that going. Then we got to know the festivals. Then we got to know all of the 613 laws regarding the 10 commandments, then the 603 laws, and we have to know how to operate through all of that. And so this is getting complex. This is why people get lulled to sleep in their Bible reading, because we jump in and out. And these are, the Bible is meant to be a building block. So if I've lost you anywhere along our journey, just go back and listen to a review. And that's usually what happens. It's not because a person is dumb or stupid. You're all intelligent. You're all smart. 
you can get this stuff. It's just that you missed some information that was critical in connecting new information. And all you have to do is go back and pick it up. So if you don't understand all of these sacrifices right now, it's because you don't know Leviticus 1 through 5 when God instituted that to teach them how to dwell with him. If you don't know why they're celebrating a feast, it's because you have to go back and look at the feast and the festivals. If you don't know why there are so many people and so much sin, it's because you got to go back and start with Abram and see how they develop into 70 and see how God gets them into Egypt to make them a great nation. And then how a Pharaoh dies and one rises the power that doesn't know Israel. And this is why he starts persecuting them. And this is why God has to redeem them and get them out. But that was his plan all along. And so once you connect these dots, all of this will start to come together and make sense. And so let's make chapter 28 and 29 come together and make sense. Why does God have to repeat this stuff? He taught the generation that they must treat them as holy and be holy, but they disobeyed him. So this was an 11-day journey. We're going to figure that out. And it takes 40 years because of disobedience. And the question, and that should strike us because we should say, while God didn't have it out for these people, he just didn't have them suffering for no reason. He gave them the game plan. He trained them, but they just disobeyed him. This is why they wondered. And this is why he has to kill them off and raise up a new people and make a new census. That's what Numbers 26 is about. We get a new census and we always need to go back and forth to practical application there. What journeys in your life should have took 11 days that are taking 40 years to accomplish? The attitude that you won't give up, the pride that you keep holding on to, the gluttony that because I'm in the South, because it's okay to eat poorly in the South, you continue doing it. The marriage problems we have because we won't submit to the Lord and honor him with all of our ways. The lust we struggle with because we always go to the temptation because we see it as irresistible and we fail to obey God and his word over the temptation. On and on again, we have challenges in our lives that live with us and we domesticate them. They become pet sins and we live with these sins in our lives to the point where we start attacking others when others point them out. Hey, don't you talk about my pet. We've named it. We have doggy treats for it. We have a water and food source in the house for it. And we've completely domesticated a lot of our sins and we're living with them for 40 years when God could have destroyed those things in 11 days. And this is the story that we're getting here. Israel, God had to raise up a completely different nation. And he's teaching this new nation the same thing he taught the old nation. And they're having to learn. But here's the encouraging part. They're going to obey him. They're going to get it right. And they're going to wreak some havoc on this earth. They're going to conquer the land like no other. But we'll see. There's a crack in this infrastructure too. I'll show it to you. It's going to happen in Joshua. And I'll try to point it out when we get there. But I wanted to do this summary so you can know this stuff is being repeated because we have a new generation needing to hear it again. And so in chapters 28 and 29, you got all of the festivals again. You got the Feast of Passover and Unliving Bread. 
That's in verses 16 through 25. You got the Feast of Weeks, which is, remember, Pentecost or First Fruits. You got the Festival of Trumpets, which starts the year. Remember Rosh Hashanah, where you blow the trumpet or the shofar. And so remember, we talked about the trumpets in Numbers. So the trumpets are used for signaling the congregation to move forward or the leaders to gather. Or you can have signals of the start of a new year or the start of different festivals. And so you see this language that you can communicate things with the trumpet. But we picked that up in Numbers the, when God told them to create the trumpets. And so I want you to see all of this coming together now, even with the Day of Atonement. That's the grand reset. We learned that there are only sacrifices for unintentional sins. And so the Day of Atonement resets everything. That's verses 6 through 11. You have the Festival of Tabernacles or in gathering or the Feast of Booths starting in chapter 12. And the only ones we're missing is the Sacred Assembly here in Numbers 29, 35 through 38. And Purim, which we pick up in Esther chapter 9. And I guess the last one would be Hanukkah, but that comes about during the intertestamental period. You see that even in the New Testament and in John chapter 10, it's called the dedication. But these are our festivals. Remember Passover, which they celebrate after they come out of Egypt to show their allegiance to God. And they're to remember that the destroyer passed over them because the blood was applied and the Feast of Unleavened Bread is connected to that. You can't put living in your bread. You don't have time to allow it to rise. You have to leave out in haste. So it's the bread of your haste. And also we'll see a connection to that. Living represents sin. And so you want to get all of the sin out of your house during this time. And in this culminates with Christ being the Passover lamb who was slain for us to atone for our sins. He mercied us because he's the one in the mercy seat and he's the one who could give us atonement. And so even the most holy place pointed to Christ in the tabernacle, because once a year on the day of atonement, you would sprinkle blood in the holies of holies. And that's where the mercy seat is. And that's where Christ could take care of the sins of the people. And then you had the feast of weeks, which is Pentecost, which is first fruits. And the best example I could give you if any of you shop at Sam's or Costco, before COVID, you would see little sample carts out and they would have workers who would give you a sample to get you to buy the whole thing. And that's basically what the Feast of First Fruits is. It's a Costco sample. Because you've tasted what this tastes like, this shows you what the end product would be like. And so for Israel, the way that would apply, because they've tasted the initial harvest, this is proof that they will benefit and be able to partake in the final harvest. And so that's relevant to us because we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We see sin being eradicated in our lives. We see ourselves growing in holiness. We see our spirit bearing witness with his spirit. We see us conforming to objective truth. This gives us a hope that we'll be glorified in the future because we see the work is happening now. We'll have glorified bodies as our Feast of Booths, as our Feast of Tabernacles, because right now we're experiencing that daily sanctification in our lives. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles of in gathering or Booths is. 
It's you receive your latter, your final harvest, which is why when at the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus and Elijah and Moses showed up, Peter jumps out and says, hey, let's put booths here. This is it. Like, we don't need anything else. Let's worship here. Because he thought that was it. He's never seen anything that glorious in his life. And so he was ready to set up booths. And that's how we should be. Once we finish this race and we're able to have that feast with God, the feast of booths, that'll be our final harvest. And we all long for that day. But in this system right now, they have to move. And so this resets every year with the festivals of trumpets where you blow the shofar and start your new year. And that may be a little confusing to us because their new year starts in that September, October range. And so don't let these dates throw you off because remember, Israel operates by the moon and the lunar calendar, and we operate by the Gregorian calendar, by the sun and the rotations around the sun. 365 days is a full rotation around the sun. That's the clock we go off of. But Israel uses the lunar calendar. And so that's why the difference will be there. And so if you hear me use words like Nisan or Tishri, Adar, these are the months on the Jewish calendar. So the new generation is learning everything all over again. So I just really wanted to give a recap today and encourage you to be faithful. Don't be a person where God has to start over with your kids because you disobeyed him. Allow him to use you and be obedient and be able to work a conquest through your life on this. You want the faith of the second generation, not the first. If you had any of the people's faith in the first generation, you will want that to be akin to Moses and the 70 elders who were filled with the spirit. That's what you need. And that's what most of the second generation is going to have. So stay tuned. Let's continue to cover and learn about the second generation and how they do. And if you found yourself getting lost anywhere in this study, just go back and pick up where you may have missed it. And I promise you can connect the dots and get back on course. We can do this, saints. Let's get through the Bible. Let's read it faithfully. And let's learn to obey God and worship him together. This world is trying to get us away from the scriptures, get us away from going deep in the text. They want us to get on a spiritual high with no knowledge of God. Let's raise up a generation where we take the Bible seriously. We go deep, but we also take character and grace seriously. And we're not religious zealots. We're not unmerciful hypocrites. We'll work with people as they grow in their Bible knowledge. But let's call people back to the scriptures because there are so many people out there who are giving the world a cheap substitute. And we have to say no more to that. Let's be the second generation and let's conquer the world for Christ because he's given us all authority to. And the sheep will hear the shepherd's voice. We just have to know it so we can proclaim it. You guys have a good day. <laughs>